committed to sharing cultural diversity through food. Welcome to El Paso Food Voices. Welcome, I'm your host for today's episode, Cheyenne Smith. El Paso Food Voices explores El Paso, Texas's food landscape by gathering food-based stories from El Paso's residents. EPFV offers a taste of a living history that speaks of ethnic and racial cross-cultural connections. If we are what we eat, we're committed to highlighting the food-based culture and history of this city. In this spirit, let's begin our conversation on traditional Mexican baked goods with our guest, Juan Gonzalez. So, you've owned La Seviana, which is located at 508 Emerson Street by Carolina Skate Park in the Lower Valley for 20, 26 years. Over the years, you've gained many loyal customers from the surrounding neighborhood who enjoy the variety of baked goods and cooked meals that La Seviana offers. I'm curious, what led you to open a bakery and become a baker? Uh, it was from 1990. Three, mm -hmm. and I was uh, I wasn't a baker at the beginning. I I used to be an insurance agent, but um, with the time and friends that, that showed me how to bake, it took me about six seven months to learn how to start up you know the, the, the bakery business. Mm -hmm. So. Um, why did you decide to switch from an insurance agent to a baker? It was um, something that happened um, out of the blues. You know, uh, it was uh, um, traditionally my dad used to own a bakery, mm -hmm. but I never was interested in it. After years and years and years, I, I tried as a uh, cook. And then as an insurance agent, and um, I think that put me on on the spot because uh, I bought a bakery without knowing anything about bakery. <laughs> um, I don't know how did it happen, but um, um, owner of a of a bakery that I was talking to, he asked me if I know somebody who can buy his bakery, and I said that I. I will buy it, and um, everything started there, 1993, and, and then, you know, I, I decided to to become a baker. Okay. I I put the the name of La Sevillana because um, I think it was uh, my dad's first bakery, 1944. <laughs> okay. Um. So I'm curious about the name La Seviana because Seviana is a song and a dance that originated from the city of Seville in Spain around the 15th century. And over time, the dance itself has mixed with other Spanish dance styles like the flamenco. Um, and it's usually danced at celebrations for many Spanish national holidays as well as during some Mexican holidays. Um, so I was wondering if you could tell me more about the name. I know you said your father owned a bakery named La Seviana, but is there more to it? Um. I really don't know why why did he name the the Sevillana, but um, I I I name it because of honor of him. I really don't know the 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 nature of uh, La Sevillana, but um, actually it was an honor to my dad. 
Okay. Not because I know what what was the Sevillana. I knew it was a dancer, but um, it was about it. Okay. Um. And at the bakery, I know you all sell more than just sweetbreads, donuts, and cookies. You also have a small grocery store with medicine and cleaning supplies and spices and soups. Can you tell me more about the um, importance of having that in your bakery? Okay. Um, well, it's, it's a process, okay? We started our business. Uh, we know um, um, cash fluid. So what we did is it started the business with little things at the beginning. We didn't have any employees. You know, the overhead, it was uh, pretty expensive for us. So actually, we work it out on, on a weekly basis. If we, we had a little bit of a, of a profit, we, we started to buy uh, the, the, the groceries that are uh, the people were asking for, like milk, um, beans, uh, rice, and all those things we were buying at, you know, um, actually on 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 um, on the process, and and the process was uh, very slow. Uh, money wasn't fluid uh, too often. <laughs> And but we we survived because we didn't have any any overhead. So actually, the bakery took us about pretty close to a year and a half to complete our our inventory. And um, uh, that's that's the more likely the story of the of the of the bakery. It took about a year and a half to to have what we need to have on on um, equipment. On um, in uh, on everything that we had, we actually we started it with uh, very very reduced uh, machinery and very reduced uh, uh, cash, and um, the only we had for sure it was you know the, the enthusiasm and, and sacrifice. That 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 I think it's what we made us started it. And after that, hard work. It's been hard work ever since. Alongside being a bakery, La Seviana also serves as a neighborhood grocery store and sells other foods besides baked goods. I've heard that your menudo is very popular, so much so that you all prepare several vats on the weekends and they sell out very quickly. Menudo is an interesting dish because it's difficult to figure out where exactly it originated. Um, reading more about it, different regions in Mexico have very different versions of the dish. Guadalajara, for example, has menudo rojo, while in more central regions like Sinola area have a mm. white version. Uh, can you tell me more about how you prepare your menudo? Okay, we we prepare the menudo on on traditional of uh, north part of Mexico. North part of Mexico, we prepare menudo with with red. Um, Red chili, and um, more likely, it's it's uh, um, uh, people around us show us how to cook them and prepare it. But actually, like I like I told you, we, I we didn't know about nothing about cooking or baking. But friends were telling us how to how to make it, and then we we took a. a a little bit of uh, extra steps and do it our way instead of um, 
somebody else's. One thing that uh, I think is very popular in my menudo is because it's real, real clean. And uh, it's uh, prepared by my wife and me. And uh, we clean it, uh, the tripe, real, real nice. We leave a little bit of, of, of um, um, a little bit of lard on, on, on that it's, it's come with. So it's not very, very um, soft, but it's not very, very heavy. So maybe that's why the menudo that we prepare is a little bit different. Not very different, but the, the thing is that people trust us on, on, on our um, our cleanest place and in, in, in that we prepare it with, with so much enthusiasm. Maybe that's why it, it, it comes the way it comes. And uh, like I said, we... we Cut the menudo, we clean it, and um, and uh, we prepare it with with kind of kind of little bit of time. We don't rush the the cook of the menudo, so we 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 cook it little by little. So it takes us quite a bit of uh, hours to cook it. So maybe that's why it, it comes the way it comes. And um, we didn't know until about. 10, 15 years later that people were starting to come back and, and, and recommend it to other people because uh, actually we don't uh, we don't have any uh, promotions, nothing like that. It's, uh, our, our business has been from mouth to mouth. I think it's, uh, it's good because it's, the, the menudo is it's nice and clean. And um, we prepare it now our way instead of the way we we would teach how to do it. All right. Uh, how would you describe the menudo in El Paso? Do we have varying versions around the city or between El Paso and Juarez? Mm, I think it's pretty similar. It's not uh, very different. The only thing it's different is uh, um, Juarez, they prepare it with different kind of tribes. And we prepare it with just one tribe, and what we do is we we put some um, um, uh, pork feet and and uh, uh, beef beef feet uh, or cow feet. <laughs> that's maybe that's one of the reasons that it comes the, the, the way the taste is a little bit different, not very different. I've eaten menudo at quinceañera after parties and on regular Sunday mornings. I was wondering, aside from being overall really delicious, what are some other reasons or benefits of eating menudo? Wow. <laughs> I, it's, uh, I, I think it's only, it's only um, the tradition. I don't think it's um, uh, what, what is, I think what is uh, the difference is that it's nice. It's hot and it's, it's juicy. I I think it's, it's the only thing that I can think of mm -hmm. because um, if if um, if I go to a party and then I eat me eat menudo, you know it's it's traditional. It's nothing like um, um, special. But uh, I think it's here north of Mexico and south of the uh, U.S. It's more than tradition. Okay. I think right now is like a really perfect time to eat it, considering how cold it is outside. It would warm you up a little. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's very true. It's very true. 
Thank you for joining us today at El Paso Food Voices. Alongside being the home to bakeries like La Seviana, the Lower Valley of El Paso is also home to three of the oldest historic missions in the United States. If you're interested in learning more about the religious Mexican traditions and foods mentioned in this podcast, you can stop by the Islera Socorro or San Elisario missions and visit La Seviana Bakery. Let's get back with our guest, Juan Gonzalez. So with the holidays right around the corner, there are many significant baked goods prepared and eaten on certain days. In November, for example, we have pan de muerto or bread of the dead to celebrate All Souls Day and All Saints Day. In December, we've, uh, we have bunuelos made with dough that is stretched with a rolling pin so it resembles very thin flour tortilla which is uh, then fried. And in January, on the 6th, we've got Rosca de Reyes, uh, or the Three Kings bread, to celebrate the offering of the three kings brought to the newly born Jesus in Jerusalem. And during Lent, it's quite common to find capirotada, or bread pudding, in many bakeries and Mexican restaurants. And in particular, I'd like to take some time to talk about Rosca de Reyes, as it seems to be a tradition that many Christians around the world celebrate Dia de los Reyes Magos, or Day of the Three Kings, and the right. holiday itself has different names depending on where you are. Uh, alongside being popular in Mexico and El Paso, Dia de los Reyes Magos is actually popular in Europe in places like Scandinavia, where they eat a similar bread. Um, and in fact, many of Mexico's pan dulces are evolutions of European, particularly French breads. And I was wondering, can you tell me more about the eating of Rosca de Reyes in the Mexican tradition, such as the significance of discovering the baby Jesus in your bread? Okay, as, um, as I know, the tradition was made and um, they put a little um, baby um, in um, on the bread. And, and we celebrate that uh, that he was hidden because um, it was, I think, he was uh, trying to kill all the little kids. So it's um it's like um the three kings um were um were looking for the the king, the new king has to celebrate the, the our our celebration of Catholic. They were looking for him and he, they found him but they always trying to kill all the kids because he was afraid to get substitute from, you know, another king. He was saying that he was the only king and nobody will take his place. So the tradition was now you hide the, the little uh, baby uh, baby God, and um, the one who who finds it or cut it that little piece of of, of, of um, rosca de reyes. So the uh, traditional uh, thing is that if you find it, if you got it, you will celebrate the Tudo Febrero, which is La Santa Candelaria, when uh, they discover again, you know, they celebrate uh, the, the living of, of God. I think it's, it's, it's what it's all about, the, the Rosca de Reyes, because we celebrate it on, on family, and the family will be re-reunion on, on February the 2nd. Okay, so it kind of signifies that search for the baby Jesus and then finding it brings your family together later when you come to celebrate it again. Do you and your family celebrate Dia de los Reyes Magos? Yes, yes, we do. We do. We're Catholics and we believe on that. And, and uh, we're doing it with, with passion because it's, it's, uh, uh, we're finding our baby Jesus. And um, we're, we're excited. We we do 
it on on, on uh, the sixth of uh, January, and uh, it's it's a tradition that uh, we probably leave it to our kids and, and our grandkids also. Okay, thank you. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the process of preparing the rosca? Uh, the process is um, more likely is uh, the bread of, of the, the dough of um, of uh, esponja. We do it on on huevo. I mean, egg, um, uh, oranges, the, the skin of the orange, and um, we put a little bit of um, vanilla. Uh, and some people put some some of a um, uh, butter flavor. But uh, you you traditional do a, a big piece of dough and and make it brown um, and put all the things around uh, on, on top of us top of them uh, putting like um, what the, the three kings were taking to Jesus um, baby Jesus excuse me um, so it's more likely like the dough is like like the sponjas. I don't know if you remember the sponjas that you saw at the, at the bakery, mm-hmm. but it's the same dough. It, it's almost the same dough with a little bit of taste here, but it, it's the same one. So speaking of foods eaten for specific traditions, I know there are also other desserts that are served for special occasions like bizcochos that are served at quinceañeras and weddings. But in Spain, the bizcochos are typically more of a sponge cake. But here along the border, our bizcochos are more like tiny powdered sugared cookies. And I was wondering if you could tell me more about how bizcochos are prepared. Um, what are some common ingredients? Uh, common, common ingredients on... on uh uh, those uh, that kind of cookies is uh, it's just uh, the basic but we use eggs, um, shortening, um, what else? Um, baking powder and a lot of sugar. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's the main thing. A lot of sugar. <laughs> okay. Um, is there any particular reason that you can think of about why these would be served at weddings in quinceañeras? Uh, no, actually, no. I, you know, I know it was a tradition, like on the Bodas de Cana, that they serve things, you know, like uh, wine and, and um, food. And, and um, I, I imagine at that time it was dates or, or uh, grapes. Maybe that's why we 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 put those things on on, on the table. And you see the little um, ornamental on the middle of the of the um, table, in all the tables that we use, and then something to eat around. Maybe that that's the reason why we use the the bizcocho. All right. Okay. Thank you. Um, so, are there any other specialty breads or sweet breads or cookies that La Seviana is known for? Jelly roll, those are good. They're real good, and they, they got pretty good um, uh, reception and people. But the, the best of La Sevillana Bakery, I think it's the, the most popular, is the piña empanada, which is, um, for me is a real, real good uh, uh, empanada. I'm not saying it's the best of El Paso, but it's the uh, Sevillana is being known by by that, by the empanada, and actually the menudo. But uh, the empanada on, on, on bread is, is the more, most popular. Can you tell me a little bit more about what empanadas are for people listening? Okay, it's, it's um, 
It's uh, like cookie um, mm, dough, but we do it and then we fill it with with um, with uh, pineapple or whatever the the um, flavor you want to stuff it. But um, actually, the the dough is, is the best part. Many people like the the piña and apple, but there is another kind of uh, empanadas like uh, pumpkin and. Uh, potatoes hmm. but um, I think it's uh, actually very simple recipe it's just water shortening a little bit of uh, sugar and um, what else and uh, the arena that's I that's that's the only thing we, we use but it's it's like I said we do we do it so so with so much patient uh, that I think it's what it that's what that's what it tastes are our are willing to do things. Okay, and I can vouch that your pineapple empanadas are really, really good. <laughs> uh, so, bef- uh, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. uh, before we conclude our conversation, is there anything else that we haven't covered that you'd like to add about baking or about the bakery itself? Um, I think the only thing that I can, you, you can add on, on, on our interview is that uh, it's a family-owned, uh, my wife and I, Work it out on, on you know on a daily basis, seven days a week, about twelve to fourteen hours a day. And now our son is, is working with us, and um, he's learning the the process. And I wish he can continue our our, our bakery. It's not it's not been a tradition, but you know I hope and become a tradition. And um, it's I think it's a it's a party. you know it's a, a the only thing, uh, the, another thing that I can say is a lot of work and a lot of hours, but um, there is a lot of reward. Thank you so much for helping me out with this. I hope and we did to what you need to, to have, and if not, we can try it again. <laughs> no problem. Okay, thank you. Have a good afternoon. Same to you, Mika. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Bye. El Paso Food Voices was created by Meredith E. Abarca, professor of food studies and literature at the University of Texas at El Paso. Produced by Adrian Mesa from UTEP's Creative Studios. Music composed by Jake Jacobs. To learn more about how food practices, memories, and stories shape a city's history, culture, and its character, please visit us at El Paso Food Voices. Thank you. Thank you.